Amen. Let's take our Bibles this morning and open together, please, the book of 1 Corinthians, chapter number 11. 1 Corinthians, chapter number 11. I don't know how many of you realize this, but today is, is National Right to Life Sunday. I believe it was on January 22nd, 1976, that the notorious Roe versus Wade decision was handed down uh, from the Supreme Court here in our nation. And um, with this in mind, tonight, I want to encourage you to be back in church tonight at 5 o'clock. We have a special guest coming. Uh, you've, uh, many of us have picked up the baby bottles in the foyer. Many have, have returned them full of cold, hard cash. Um, but all of that goes specifically to help provide free ultrasounds and health services uh, to expectant mothers who are, who are contemplating whether or not to carry their child through or abort their baby. And so uh, tonight we have a representative coming from PDHC. Her name is Kristen Garibrandt. And she's going to share, Just she's only going to take a few moments of our time tonight, because she's going to share some statistics that will... Um, just b- blow your mind uh, to concerning the issue of abortion here in our state and in our nation. It's estimated that anywhere from 25% uh, to, to 33% of ladies in the United States uh, have, have had an abortion. And, um, you know, tonight we want to have just a special time where we emphasize life. We're going to have a special time of prayer and a special message geared to this very subject. And so I want to encourage you, please come back tonight at 5 o'clock. It'll be an encouragement to you, I know. And so be prayerful of this, please. But this morning we come back here to 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. And as we continue to progress through this particular book of the Bible, we find many issues. I mean, the Apostle Paul has is really, it's almost like a shotgun, right? Just kind of peppered us with with practical truth, um, an attempt to combat carnality. See, the church in Corinth, they were a very carnal people. May I tell you that carnality always produces irreverence. Uh, Carnality is the antithesis of spirituality. Uh, Carnality is at odds with God's work in your life. And as we come here to 1 Corinthians chapter number 11... Uh, we, Paul just concludes the subject matter of Christian liberty. Now, remember, Christian liberty is my God-given ability to live for the Lord and to do what's right. And I do what's right not based upon what I can, but what it's based upon my love for Christ and my love for my fellow Christian. And as we come now to 1 Corinthians chapter 11, the apostle, uh, he, he speaks of concerning the issue of, of head coverings. What in the world is the significance of having one's head covered or not having one's head covered. Years ago, for decades now, here in the United States of America, we have been told, we have been fed the lie that I can do as I please. Do you realize that there is only freedom as it pertains to the law of our nation? There is no liberty outside the laws of the land. And may I tell you, there is no liberty outside the laws of God's word. I am free as I follow the Lord. I I enjoy the liberty that God gives me, the the peace, the joy, the satisfaction, based upon my obedience to Christ. But we have been told, and we have have bought the lie that, you know, it's my life, I can do with it as I please. And this mindset, this culture has has seeped its way into into the church. 
And now we take upon ourselves, because we think that we're free to do however we want and however we please, now we come in and we find that it has marred everything that God has intended for the church to be. And that's what sin does, doesn't it? Sin infests, sin corrupts, and sin must be dealt with because of its heinousness and the hurt that it causes. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, the way of the transgressors is hard. When we, when we go, we think that we have liberty. We think that this freedom and this exercise of freedom produces joy, but it doesn't. It, it produces nothing but hardship, and it distorts God's plan for your life. And if it can do that for your life, if it can do that for your home, just imagine what it does for the church. May I tell you, this does not belong to any of us. Uh, I did not buy this. You might say, well, you might argue, say, well, Pastor, I gave my tithes and my offerings uh, to, to purchase this and do all of these things. You missed the point completely. The church is not the building. And while we obediently give to the Lord, nothing that we have given purchases any of it. We, you and I are bought with a price. You and I are, have been bought by the Lord Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, we're told that it's the blood of God that was shed to purchase, our, to purchase our salvation. You and I, we belong to Christ. And I want to live my life, I want to practice my faith, not, with how, not based upon how I feel, not based upon what I think is right, but based upon the truth and simplicity of God's word. If you're able this morning, I invite you to stand with me. We're going to read here just you know, several verses of Scripture. We're going to begin in verse number 2 of 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. And we're going to read down through verse number 16. Notice what the Bible says, beginning in verse number 2. He says, Now I praise you, brethren, that ye remember me in all things, and keep the ordinances as I delivered them to you. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ, and the head of the woman is the man, and the head of Christ is God. Every man praying or prophesying, having his head covered, dishonoreth his head. But every woman that prayeth or prophesieth with her head uncovered, dishonoreth her head, for that is even, uh, for that is even all one as if she were shaven." For if the woman be not covered, let her also be shorn. But if it be a shame for a woman to be shorn or shaven, let her be covered. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, for as much as he is the image and glory of God. But the woman is the glory of the man. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels." Nevertheless, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man in the Lord. For as the woman is of the man, even so is the man also by the woman, but all things of God. Judge, your, judge in yourselves. Is it comely that a woman pray unto God uncovered? Doth not even nature itself teach you that, it is a, that if a man have long hair, it is a shame unto him? But if a woman have long hair... It is a glory to her, for her hair is given her for a covering. But if any man seem to have uh, to be in contentious, uh, seem to be contentious, I'm sorry, we have no such custom, neither the churches of God. 
Father in heaven, we thank you for your word this morning. And Lord, our prayer is that you would help us in these moments to rightly divide the word of truth. God, that you would help us understand clearly what is being uh, taught in these lessons. Lord, just reading through this, sometimes uh, we could take offense to things. Uh, But the Bible says, blessed are those that love thy law and nothing shall offend them. Lord, we know that in your word, you're right. Uh, Let God be true and every man a liar. And so, Lord, our prayer is that our minds would be brought in line with you and not the philosophies and ideals of the world. And so, Father, we pray that you would give us your leadership and help today, that you would speak to us and challenge us. And, Father, again, if there's anyone here this morning who doesn't know Christ as their Savior, Lord, we ask that today would be the day of their salvation. But, God, that you'd work in all of our hearts And uh, help us become what you've saved us to be. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. If you're in the habit of marking things in your Bibles, I'd like to draw your attention to what the Bible says in verse number 3. There's a, a simple term used three times within verse 3 itself. And if we were just to read it, we might just read uh, casually over it and not give much thought to it. But in verse 3, we find the crux of the whole issue. And it's the issue of authority. Look what the Bible says in verse number 3. It says, but I would have you know that, notice the next two words, the head. Mark the term head there. The head of every man is Christ. And then again he says, and the head, note that statement, the head of the woman is the man. And again, the head of Christ is God. Let me ask you a question this morning. How do you deal with authority? You and I, we are all, or at least we should be, we should willingly place ourselves under the authority of God. And when we do not do so, great harm is done. It distorts God's picture. It brings great harm. And it brings confusion. And may I tell you, even Paul addresses later on that God is not the author of confusion. But what does carnality bring? Do you know what? The word carnal speaks of the flesh. We've understood that from the, from the opening uh, study here in this particular book. But in our lives, concerning carnality, when I live carnally, who becomes the authority of my life? It is I. You know, I'm reminded of what happens when, when God is displaced from his rightful place in our lives. I want you to look with me, if you would, please. The Old Testament, we find in Judges, holding your place here in in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11. If you would look, please, the book of Judges. I love reading the book of Judges. Uh, I enjoy the stories told in the book of Judges. I enjoy all of the the great mighty feats that took place and and, uh, the gore and and, all the victory. People, if, if you think the Bible is boring, you haven't read it. Um, but there's, but we find here the byproduct of carnality in the book of Judges. The Bible says in Judges chapter 17 and verse number 6, this is a great synopsis of the book of Judges. Why was everything the way it was? Well, the Bible says in verse 6, it says, In those days there was no king in Israel. There was no authority sitting on a physical throne. Uh, Saul was not there. Uh, you, had, you had the judges, but... They weren't king. They had Samuel, but they rejected him as king. 
In those days, there was no king in Israel. There was no authority. There was no one giving direction. There was no one giving command. There was no one at the helm steering the ship. And the Bible goes on to say, but every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Who became the king? Though there was not one figurehead over the nation of Israel uh, as, as, as king in these moments, there were many kings in Israel. We were, they were, everyone was their own king. And we live in America. I praise the Lord for the United States of America. We call it the land of the free. Why? Because we have liberty under law. But we have, in America, we've got the idea that I can do whatever I want. And it makes no difference. We see the breakdown in society today as never before, don't we? We see, what, we see the byproduct, the ramification of sin. It has infested every facet of human life, hasn't it? I mean, you can go and you, you turn on the news. Uh, there was a, I was reading, I was just looking at the headlines this morning um, on Fox News, and it, there was a whole night of riot in Atlanta. Burning police cars, rioting, looting. Do you remember back in the summer of 2020 when BLM marched through Columbus? I remember we had our, our patriotic day. We, we were able to get the Fairfield County SWAT tank here. It was an MRAP, but how many of you remember that? Did you notice the bullet marks on the side of it that it received downtown Columbus? There was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in their own eyes. We think that we are free to do as we choose, that we're free to do as we please. We think that our actions make no difference in the lives of anybody else, but we can't be more wrong. Our lives are influential. Your life is influential. I know people that perhaps you will never meet. And likewise, you know people that perhaps I will never meet. You have a circle of influence, I have a circle of influence, and we must therefore guard our actions. And we do that by not allowing ourselves to, to buy into this idea that I can live and do and worship God as I please. Do you realize that God is a holy God? That you and I, we're not to worship God according to, to how we feel is appropriate and necessary. When, when we worship God how we want to worship God, you know what we become? We become idolatrous. And we then therefore cease to worship God. And we no longer, in not worshiping Him, we become worshipers of our own selves. And this is what has happened in the church at Corinth. And Paul, it's interesting, look, that, look back with me, if you would, please, in chapter 11. You know, he has just uh, really smacked him with some really hard truth. And he finally comes in verse 2, and he says, Now I praise you, brethren. He had just corrected them from the opening pages of the letter, and now he comes, he says, I praise you. Before he had nothing to praise him for, but now he praises them. For what reason does he praise them? He does not praise them, for what they're doing, or I'm sorry, he praised them for what they're doing, not how they're doing it. 
Notice what he says there in verse number two. He says, that ye remember me in all things and keep the ordinances as I have delivered them to you. There are two ordinances in the local church. Believers' baptism by immersion. As, and baptism is for identification. Write that down. Baptism is for identification. We identify ourselves with Christ's death, his burial, and his resurrection. It's a public profession of our faith in Christ. It's the first step of obedience as a child of God. It's the entrance into the local church. We're thankful for this, but baptism is for, for identification. I identify myself with Christ, and I identify with, with the local church. And then there's the second ordinance, which we'll, Lord willing, observe next Sunday, and that's the Lord's table, the Lord's supper or communion. And baptism is for identification, while the Lord's supper is for commemoration. Write that down. The Lord's Supper is for commemoration. Uh, even in, in the same chapter, Paul addresses the use or the practice or observance, I'm sorry, of the Lord's table. They, they were misusing it. He, he says, hey, I, I appreciate the fact that you are maintaining these, but hold on a second. You're off base. You're out of step. You're out of sync with God's word. Now remember, you're carnal. You are yet carnal. Now we need to rein this thing back in. And may I tell you, it's all about authority. There's authority that we, that we have in life, isn't there? How many of you, you go to work and you have a boss? It's all about authority, isn't it? Well, I'm my own boss. I don't know about that. But we all have authority to which we are to submit ourselves to. I want you to look here, hold your place, and, and look with me, if you would, please, the book of Colossians. Colossians, chapter number 3, concerning our response to authority. In a very practical sense here, and just daily living. You and I, we get up, we go to work, we obey uh, the commands of our employers so we can earn a paycheck and, and make a living for our family. We don't do that, there's something wrong with us. Men, that's our responsibility. If we don't take care of our families, the Bible says we're worse than an infidel. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good. It's good to work. It's important that we work. But the Bible says in verse 22 of, of Colossians 3, it says, Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. So here's a question. Is it possible to separate our daily life from our faith? Your conversation is all one. Our conversation ought to be as it becometh the gospel of Jesus Christ. How I live my life should indicate the fact that I am a child of God. But I do so because of who I know. In singleness of heart, fearing whom? Fearing God. Therefore, I obey the Lord. And if I'm going to obey God in the very practical sense of my daily living... What gives me the audacity 
to think that I, I don't have to be, obey God over here in the matters of faith. He's our authority over all, isn't he? He is my life's authority. Is he yours? Look back here in, 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 in Colossians chapter 3. He says in verse number 23, it says, And whatsoever ye do, do it heartily as to the Lord, and, and not unto men, knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. We are servants of Christ. And as we look back in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, he, Paul comes and, and now he, he establishes the fact that you and I are under authority. Now, I know our culture, understand this, culture will tell you one thing. Society will tell you one thing. But this book has been and forever will be counterculture. The Word of God doesn't always agree with society. It doesn't, it doesn't always agree with cultural trends. Society is degenerate. <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, Somebody verified what I told you on, on Sunday last week. In Liberty Union schools, there are litter boxes in the public schools. Interesting, right? And that's not because society's improving. That's because evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Yeah. So don't, don't allow yourself to fall under the idea that we can live and do as we please. First of all, if you know Christ as your Savior, you don't belong to you to begin with. You've been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your spirit and your body, which are God's. And we look here, he says, look in verse 3, he says, but I would have you know. He says, good job, hold on a second. Before you get lost in my praise, let me rein you back in. But I would have you know that the head of every man is Christ. The head, he's the authority. He is the power uh, that superintends over our lives. You and I are to submit ourselves to him. And here comes something, hold on, understand, blessed are they that love thy law, nothing shall offend them, all right? <laughs> if I don't preach it, I'm going to be... Judged for it, okay? So just hold on. But the Bible goes on to say that the head of every woman is whom? Is, is the man. Why? Because God created man in his image and in his likeness. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. But the woman was taken from man. We can see that in Genesis chapter Chapter 2, how God caused sleep to come upon Adam and he removed one of his ribs and formed, formed Eve. God created man for himself, but God created the woman for man as a helpmeet to him. But then he goes on to say, to prove a point, to make it inarguable, he deals with the authority over Christ's life. Now, it seems strange, doesn't it? That here we have the Lord Jesus Christ, the second person of the Godhead, the image of the invisible God, 
the fullness of the Godhead bodily. The creator, the sustainer, for by him were all things created that are in heaven, that are in earth, visible, invisible, whether they be throne or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. And he is before all things and by him all things consist. We have the creator and sustainer of everything. who would humble himself and become obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Christ willingly placed himself under authority. He submitted to the Father. Now, as it pertains to the Christian life, what must we learn about authority? The first is that we're responsible to authority. I want you to write this down. As we consider authority in our lives, it's important, number one, that we submit to God-given authority. Submit to God-given authority. Look back, if you would, please, in, in the book of Romans. Romans chapter number 13. We find the source of power from whence power comes and our responsibility to it. He says, let every soul be subject unto the higher powers. In your life, there is authority. You and I are to humbly submit ourselves to the higher authority. And may I tell you, there's no higher authority than the the authority of Christ, men. And ladies, while we submit to Christ, we, we must also understand our need to submit to our husbands, to the man. That's the biblical example that we find in Scripture. It's the mandate. He says in verse number Verse number one says, For there is no power but of God. The powers that be are ordained of God. Whosoever therefore resisteth the power resisteth the ordinance of God. And they that shall, I'm sorry, they that resist shall receive to themselves damnation. Listen, Paul is criticizing them. He's correcting them. Why? Because they have not followed the ordinance of God as it pertains to their faith and their lives. There's, I remember, and, and I apologize if, <laughs> I don't intend to offend anyone, but I remember when I was a, a freshman in high school, so the public school, and I remember my study hall uh, was in, I forget the teacher's name, but I went into her classroom and there was Rosie the Riveter posters all around and women's lib and women's empowerment propaganda plastered to all the walls thought, wow, I feel kind of out of place here. I'm not sure I could ever get a fair shake in this classroom, you know. Uh, but it was, it was pathetic. But that's what the world says. And the world is wrong. There is a chain of command. There is authority that every one of us are under. And ultimately, that authority is God. 
Men, you must decide now who you will obey. Ladies, you must decide now who you will obey. And may we just uh, unanimously agree this morning that we will obey God in this matter? Because in reality, it's all God's authority. This is what He has given us to do. Again, you and I, we belong to Christ. We shouldn't. Ar- do you enjoy when your children argue with you? When you have rules in your house and, and they come toe-to-toe with you and, and they argue with you and, and try to, uh, to prove that their position, though flawed, is better? It makes no logical sense, does it? But we do the same thing with God. And the authority, the chain of command is quite simple. Furthermore, again, Paul tells us that the head of Christ is God. Well, what did Jesus do in his life? How do we know this? I want you to look with me, if you would please, in John chapter number 8. John chapter number 8, we see here the response of Christ as he speaks with others. I remember just a few months ago walking down the little pathways in, in the Garden of Gethsemane and being in, in, in the proximity to where, where Christ prayed the night He was betrayed. And as He went in, He fell down and, and he, the Bible says that His prayer was so intense that he, that he experienced this medical condition called hematidrosis. When he prayed as if it were great sweat drops of blood. When the agony was so severe that, that the, the, blood, the, the blood vessels in his forehead actually ruptured and mingled with his sweat glands and, and he sweat drops of blood. And he, and he prayed and he asked the Father if there was any way that he would allow the cup to pass from him. But he said, nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Under whose authority did Christ place himself? It was under the Father's authority. In John chapter 8, Jesus says something uh, that, that, share, that, that tells us that he placed himself under the authority of God. He says in verse number 29, he says, And he that sent me is with me. The Father hath not left me alone. He says, For I do always those things that please him. He pleased the Father. And I'm thankful for that. Had He not pleased the Father, you and I should just pack it in and go home. But He pleased the Father. He became sin for us. Who knew no sin. That we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. Church, we must come to the place in our life where where we just say, you know what, enough is enough. I'm just going to do what God says. And we submit to the God-given authorities of our lives. Notice the second lesson that we learned this morning concerning authority. Is that we must learn to, to direct others' attention to Christ. As we look back in 1 Corinthians chapter number 11, we find that that ladies were, were praying and prophesying in public with their heads uncovered. I am so thankful that God made me bald. I never have to worry about this. 
my head is always uncovered. But all kidding aside, why, why was it okay for man, or why is it okay for man to preach and pray with his head uncovered, while it's not okay for a lady to preach or pray with her head uncovered? I mean, I tell you, it's not right for a lady to preach at all. You know, again, it's about authority, and we understand, and some people will even argue that, well, in this case, it was all right. Well, Paul's correcting them. They were wrong for doing it. It became a distraction. It became a hindrance to the local church. That's why later on, we are told that, that the ladies should, should keep silent. No, should learn in silence. But you and I, as men, we can, we can pray, we can preach with our head un- uncovered. Why? Because we're the image and glory of God. Ladies, you're, we're to pray with our heads covered because you're the image of man, the glory of man. But you don't have to go around wearing a doily on your head. You don't have to wear a bonnet. God gave you your covering. It's your hair. The Bible speaks of, of this even in nature. It points to the fact that the hair is the lady's glory. It's it's distinct. It separates you from men. That's why it's a shame for men to have long hair. Even nature itself is at odds with this. But what happens here is it becomes a distraction. Some would argue that in Corinth, the temple prostitutes would, would uh, of, of the pagan temples there in Parthenon, that they would, one of their distinguishing characteristics was the fact that they were shaven or, or shorn. We, we, we mustn't be a distraction. We mustn't do things that, that remove people's eyes from Jesus Christ. Look what the Bible says here in verse number 7. He says, For a man indeed ought not to cover his head, for as much as he is the image and glory of God, but the woman is the glory of the man. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created uh, for the woman, but the woman for the man. For this cause ought the woman to have power on her head because of the angels. Nevertheless, uh, neither is the man without the woman, neither the woman without the man. And just so you understand that God is not chauvinistic. Men, you should not be chauvinistic. You should love your wife as Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. You should, be, you should look at your wife and understand just how special she is. She is God's gift to you. You better love her like you love yourself. You better be willing to die for her. May I tell you that there's equality in Christ. Look what the statement says there in verse number 11, the last three words, in the Lord. Ladies are not inferior to men in any way. But there's a level, there's a chain of authority that we must maintain. And if we're not careful, men, we can advocate our position. Men, what has God called you to do? 
He's called you to lead. Not as a dictator, but as a loving leader. Sacrificially. Humbly. And when we do not do these things, men, we become a distraction. What is marriage? Marriage is a picture, isn't it? It's a picture of Christ and the church. Look back with me, if you would please, holding your place here in 1 Corinthians 11. Look all the way back in Genesis. Genesis chapter number 2. We see here the, the institution of the home. Remember, Paul tells us in, in chapter 11 that he talks about how man was created and, and how the woman was created. But even from the very beginning, we see it's a great picture of Christ in the church. The Bible says, in verse number 18, he says, uh, And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help meet for him. And out of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air and brought them unto Adam to see what he would call them. And whatsoever Adam called every living creature, that was the name thereof. And Adam gave names uh, to all cattle and to the fowl of the air and to every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found an help meet for him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam and he slept. And he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, look in verse 24. Therefore shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. And we, can, and we see the union here, this first marriage that God established, this home, the very creation. It's a picture. We fast forward to the New Testament, we find the mystery of the church. We see how, how Christ is the heavenly bridegroom. And that He loved us. And gave himself for us. We see the church, the bride of Christ, us. And within that marriage, there's authority. Not because we're unequal or anyone's less important than the other, but because of the God given authority that he established there. And that's carried over to the local church. Who is the head of all things? Christ. Christ is the head. You and I, we submit to Him. He's the head of the church. He's the Savior of the body. And when we fail to act within the spheres of our responsibility, whenever we attempt to do something extra-biblical, we bring confusion. We cause a distraction to come. Eyes are no longer fixed upon the Lord. They're fixed upon me. 
fixed upon somebody else who's not worthy. But church, we must understand that, that our failure to adhere to the authority that, of, of God will turn people's attention away from Christ. Look back. 2 Corinthians, please. Second Corinthians chapter number four. In verse number one, the Bible says, Therefore, seeing we have this ministry, we have received mercy, we faint not, but have renounced the hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. He says in verse 3, but if our gospel be hid. And may I tell you, this is what carnality does. When I fail to submit myself to the authority of God, the gospel becomes hidden. But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. It becomes a distraction. I want my life to become a distraction. I want my life to be complementary. You and I are commanded in Titus to adorn the doctrine. To make Christ more attractive, more desirable, more appealing. Let's point other people to Christ. Notice finally this morning, as we look back in chapter number 11, this is the decision that you and I must make. You know, sometimes we can fight against God. We can, we can attempt to do things outside the will of God or outside the boundaries of God's word. But rather fight it. Why don't you just embrace it? You and I should embrace our God-given ministries. Do you know who you are? You're uniquely you. Unless you're an identical twin. And then I'm not sure how that works. But you are, I, 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 you are uniquely you. There's not another one like you. Whether you're a man, whether you're a woman, because those are the only two options. And you can't change it. You're created that way. You should just be thankful for who you are and do what God's given you to do. Look how the passage ends. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 13, it says, Judging yourselves, is it comely that a woman pray unto God uncovered? That's a rhetorical question. And then he gives an example. Not to exclude men. Here we go. It says, doth not even nature itself teach you? I want you to mark that statement, nature itself. Nature itself. What is nature? It's the natural process of things as God created him. There's nature. Things that just naturally happen, like the snow. Summer, winter, seed time, harvest. 
we see things that, you know, birds migrate when it's cold out. They're smarter than we are. They go south. There are certain seasons to everything there is a season. There's a natural process of things. God created all living things. And they behave a certain way as God created them to behave. There's nature. And, and he says, as we consider the, this nature, this, the fact that God created things a certain way, notice what he says. Does, doth not even nature itself teach you that if a man have long hair, is a shame unto him? Ladies, be glad that God gave you hair. You don't have to walk around bald-headed your whole life. It says, but if the woman have long hair, it is a glory to her. For her hair is given her for a covering. You know, embrace who you are. Sometimes you like to think, well, I would if I could change this, that, or don't change anything about yourself. You are how God made you. Just grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. But serve the Lord. Don't do it according to your desire, to your will. But serve the Lord according to His will and His word. Embrace your God-given ministry. Men, you and I, we need to stand up and be the leaders that God has called for us to be. We need to lovingly lead our homes. We must lovingly lead the church. Ladies, you must follow the leadership that God has placed in your life. And together as a church, we follow Christ who is our head. Look what Paul says back in, the, in, in verse number 1 of chapter 11. He says, Be ye followers of me, even as I also am of Christ. If we come away from this with anything less than this decision that Paul gives us here, just follow the Lord. All of these other things will be cared for as we follow Christ. We sang this song last week, I have decided to follow Jesus. Though no one join me, still I will follow. You see, you can't change the person sitting next to you. But individually, you can do what God wants. Will you be a follower of Christ this morning? Will you submit yourself to God-given authority? Will you direct others' attention to Christ? And will you embrace the ministry He's given to you? Let us together follow the Lord. May God give us victory. May we know God's blessing. Let's stand together this morning. In just a moment, we'll have a time of invitation. The piano will play softly.